Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 5 of Season 5 Movie Girl Minute, the daily podcast where we hippie our way through the 1999 Bruce Willis starring action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and join me once again to finish off this week is Jay Cluett of the Conair Pod and the Deep Blue Sea Pod. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Let's get out of the way. This is a Christmas film. Yes, it is. Friday question. I was no, that's not the Friday question anymore. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> but is it? Do you really think this is a Christmas movie? It, as much as the uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, Christmas, but you, why not? But no, but if you want to get into that holiday. debate, this this is less of a Christmas movie than the first one. I think yeah. I mean, yes, I I, I would agree. Uh, but you know, they still, you they, they rely less on Christmas things in this movie than they did in the first one. Yeah, well, I, okay, yeah, it's a busy, it's a busy airport because it's Christmas, but then... that's the only thing that they use here. It's a busy airport. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And you know that that maybe he can't get his car for a few days because of Christmas. I don't know, or his mother-in-law's car. Yeah, and it, it gives it's it's the reason why it's okay to tear the ticket up at the end because it's Christmas. That's right. That's right. Is it? But will it be Christmas yet? I don't know. We're gonna have to wait and find out. Maybe we'll find some clues along the way that we'll be able to figure that out. So minute five begins with the elevator door uh, bell ding and ends with John trying to give an answer. So yesterday we, we ended things with a, a group of, of men that were that are all similarly dressed in like winter clothes, winter coats, and each one of them is, is carrying a present, you know, a, a nicely wrapped present that that according to the information that Jay gave us you know, was they hired someone to wrap all of these presents so that we could get an idea as to, uh, you know, make sure that everything was wrapped properly. And we see all these men uh, walk over towards the, the elevator. If you count, I was able to count 11. Okay. But uh, the assumption is, is that there are 12. Maybe there's one that, that's a little out of focus that you can't really tell or whatever it is. And then we see the the bell of the, the elevator dings. There are two elevator doors and they file in. Uh, to both of the elevators and the, the elevator that we follow into is the one with Stuart and there are actually you know six men in there including Stuart you know and I love the way that they they do the shot where everyone is walking in you know very uh, militaristically I guess you can say the way that they're marching in and stuff like that and you have Stuart standing by the outside of the elevator and then as soon as they get in he does a quick turn gets into the elevator and then turns around and the, the, the camera like uh, zooms in and focuses more on his face as the, the elevator doors are about to change. And you, you can see... He still looks so serious. Yes, completely serious. You know, the Joker would say, why so serious, right? Uh, <laughs> and I mean, you can see the different people in the background. Uh, you see Vondi Curtis Hall here. I, I think Don Harvey is also there with him. Uh, some of the others we'll be able to, to, to catch later on throughout the movie. Uh, some of them have na- I mean, they all have names. Some of them have recognizable names, and some of them are, are less recognizable. But but we'll, we'll get to that over the course of uh, of the movie. I mean, have, have you ever seen Memento? Yes. Okay, so the guy who plays the uh, motel clerk, uh, Mark Boone Mark Jr., Boone Jr. Do you know that he's one yeah. of the these twelve guys? I saw that he's in there somewhere, but I haven't spotted him. Yeah, I've I've seen him. I, I don't like in the shot that we have here. You know, I wasn't able to spot which one is him, but it just amazes me 
you know how how much he changed in ten years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I I know him more as a, a bigger, hairier guy. Yes, exactly. Than any of these people. <laughs> yeah. So you know, through the course of this, so I'll, I'll try and figure out which one he is. You know, in order to figure out when he actually is gets killed. You know, or is he one of the ones that actually makes it out? Because you know, there there are a few that 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 make it to the last scene, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> or make it to the airplane. How's that? Um, and then the the shot changes, and once again we get to see the the couple who are talking on the phone. And then the the phone next to them, there's a woman on the phone that hangs up the phone, and she sort of like blocks John McClane's, uh, uh, you know, way to get to the phone. And we see John rush before some other guy gets there. You know, it's it's I guess it's first come first serve. It's not I was standing here first or anything there, like there's that. There's their queue. Yeah, this is. Bedlam. Yes. Uh, it should be a nice orderly queue. Um, but yeah, the guy who doesn't who doesn't get the phone, the moustache guy, he's he's really he's not even trying. He's like, tell, he's, he's like, I gotta call my wife like, back. Go for the phone, but don't <laughs> get the phone. Like John's gonna get. Yeah, he just looks kind of gormless. Don't look at the camera. Look down. That's right. I, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> don't, don't look at Mr. Willis. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming they say that a lot. I'll say this again when when I do uh, Die Hard Three, but I actually know somebody who apparently was was walking down the street in new york when they were filming and you know he saw bruce willis didn't know it was bruce willis and he asked him for the time and bruce willis just laughed at him and then told him the time you know not realizing that that because the guy didn't realize who it was so but it makes sense don't look at mr willis i i agree with that you know so so john gets on the phone and what is the first thing that we notice here when you look at the phone so it says Pacific Bell. It's a Pacific Bell, despite them being in DC or Denver. That is correct. That is very correct. So <laughs> no way that would have Pacific Bell on the phone. That's right. <laughs> now, I mean, I remember in the early days of IMDb. You know, I I was checking IMDb for as long as I can remember. So in the early '90s, I was always on IMDb checking goofs and movies and things like that. And I recall seeing this even before then. You know, this was something that I noticed and it was it was something that was written in newspapers and stuff like that. You know, like there are a bunch of 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 uh, goofs in this movie that shouldn't have happened. So, you know, I mean, this is something you think that somebody should have noticed. I mean, on on the commentary on the commentary. So Rennie Harlan mentions the fact that 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 he didn't notice it and nobody pointed it out to him. Yeah. You know, but but isn't don't they have people that they pay them to do that? Yes, I mean, there's a script supervisor all about continuity, I guess. Like, I mean, anyone looking at this, should, like, there's so many people would have passed by this, and maybe they noticed it, but it was too late, and it would have added $100,000 to the budget to delay shooting to put some new face plates on this. I don't know. I think it was just deemed not, not yeah. worth doing. But yeah, Rennie, he's, he's, he's from Finland, so maybe he didn't know that. Pacific well, that's what he said. He said he scene. didn't know. He he was told afterwards, and but he he didn't know that there's a, there isn't a national uh, carrier, you know that is something that's broken down. It's not something I've picked up on before preparing for this podcast, and I've, you know I've seen this one before. I, I may have read that specific bell and thought, yeah, fine, whatever. That's that's the name of the phone company. Correct. Okay, but again, it goes back to the geographical. No, so it's not, it's not it's, it goes back to the aspect that, that that you're not as familiar with the geographical locations of Bell and things like that. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Cause, I mean. Is it that I thought it would be the Pacific that would be the wrong bit? I don't, it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, that's the, what I know about phone companies. Right. Oh, whatever. We talked about Pacific Bell in the past, so I'm not going to go back into that. 
But yeah, I mean, every area of, of the U.S. has a different uh, type of bell. I mean, I grew up in Michigan. It was Michigan Bell. I see. Uh, and I guess in the, in the East Coast, it was known as Atlantic Bell for a while or whatever. Who knows? I mean, now it, it's all changed. So it's, I don't think it's the same type of thing. But, you know, this this was filmed in L.A. So obviously, you know, they, they no one thought about changing the fact that, uh, you know, they're filming in L.A., but this is taking place in Washington where they will not have Pacific Belt. So I just find it really interesting that nobody, literally, literally nobody noticed it when they were going through this whole movie, you know, when they were filming it. Yeah. And then he picks up the phone and starts to dial, and then the shot changes, and we're actually on an airplane. So another thing that was uh, pointed out by Rennie Harland in the commentary is that in 1990 – one could not call an airphone. <laughs> no, really. That was not possible. <laughs> so it's just very funny that that's what uh, you know. That's what he does here. And then we see the shot of in this world. In this can. world, they can. That's right. And then we see a shot of a plane, uh, you know, flying. It, you see the NEA, and it says Northeast on the on the tail. So you know, it's it's Northeast Airline. The, the plane is in flight. You know, we get all the, the flashing lights. And then we, we see a smiling uh, Holly on a... Like just the, the beautiful orange that's glow right. on this plane and on Holly. It's, it's stunning. Which, which again, if uh, this is in late in the afternoon, theoretically, the sun should be behind them if they're flying from the West Coast to the East Coast, not on the side. Do we know that she's definitely... Yeah, she's flying from. LA. She's flying from LA. Yeah. No question about that. Yeah. So it, yeah. it it makes a little sense, but who cares? You know, it's it's nice the way they do the shot, and then we hear the the voiceover of of John, you know, as the the shot starts, uh, you know, panning towards Holly, and we hear this is Lieutenant McLean. Somebody there beat me, and her response is, "I'd like to think I'm somebody," and he goes, "Honey, Honey. what are you doing?" Where are you? Did you land yet? <laughs> so it's just a little a fair question. She's, she, the plane's late. It's, I yes. Think it's yeah. But again, in the days before cell phones, is, isn't he aware of the fact that, you know, he's calling a, an air phone? Because let's say it has an area code. Okay. The area code is probably not going to be, I mean, again, you can't call a phone. So I don't know what air what, what, Area codes they would use on an airphone. Yeah. What air code do they have in the sky? <laughs> but but the point know. is it wouldn't be the you know the area code of Washington D.C. You know you'd think that he would be curious who's calling him from what number. You know again this is yeah. uh, nowadays you know anyone can you can have a number and you know you can live in one place and have a number from a different place it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have those cell phones that you can get yep, your cell phone yep. number or whatever number you want because people aren't paying long distance charges like they were back then. I mean, I remember growing up in, in Detroit, so I had a good friend who I went to school with that was living in Windsor, which is across the border in Canada. And I would call him and my parents would, would be furious because they would get these really high phone bills because I was making international calls to a friend from school. <laughs> you know, and and you know, as a sixteen or seventeen year old, I didn't really think about these things before I Obviously, once they pointed it out, I started talking to my friend more in school uh, than at night, <laughs> you know, which which makes sense. You know, I don't know how it worked in England. Uh, you know, at what point, you know, if you were to call between, you know, England and Ireland, is that considered, 
uh, long distance? I do not know. I never tried to call anybody in a different country uh, ever. And Scotland? Is never Scotland considered? You've I never, don't know. you've never, ah, because you make all your your arrangements online. Yeah. So you don't have to call them. Okay, that's fair. Also, I don't have any. I don't know anyone in in. I don't know outside of podcasting. I don't know anybody in other countries. <laughs> ah, okay. Anyone. <laughs> that's a good point. And most of those people you can speak to on on uh you know on email or or Skype or yeah whatever else you use. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, no, what for me, what what's really uh, blatant here is, is why hasn't John, you know, in, in the airports, they have screens that show every single flight and they tell you what's going on with the flight, where, when it's supposed to land, you know, and things like that. You have like a, a you know, a screen of departures and a screen of arrivals and you go there for the information. And John didn't even think to do that. He hates flying. He hates technology. But, but looking at a screen... But a yeah. looking yeah, looking at a screen, I don't know. You saw the you know, he's he's saying he looked he, at the beeper with. That's right, because he well that we know because then he says, "Did you land yet?" So that that's great because like he has no clue about what's going on. And then her response is, "It's the '90s, remember? Microchips, microwaves, faxes, airphones." Now, I love the fact that that this script was written in the '80s and they automatically put that in there. It's the '90s. Yeah. Well, you know, the 90s just actually, it's not the 90s if this takes place in December 1989. That's so true. it's almost the 90s, uh, it's not the 90s yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, this, right. this was released six months before Christmas 90. Oh, this thing was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, uh, his response is, as far as I'm concerned, progress peaked with the frozen pizza. And then she goes, listen, I'm, we're, we're going to be about a half hour late landing, okay? I just wanted to let you know. Now, is she, she asking for his approval to to have the plane land late? Yeah. She says, I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? She says we're going to be a half hour late, okay? Is that okay with you? I guess. I, I, yeah. I mean, that's just the way people talk. I know, I know, I know. It's just, it's just very funny to, to think about it from that perspective because she, it sounds as if she's basically asking for permission, which, as you pointed out, obviously she's not. She's just Maybe stating that. Okay, do you understand? Could right. Be okay. Could be. Okay. Basically, you're gonna have to sit and wait for me another half hour in the airport, even though yeah. you know he sh- he showed up really early. I mean, I remember back in these days when you had to go to the airport, you would there was a number you could call to find out about you know what whether the plane was supposed to be coming in on time or not you know right. you, you call a number and then it would say put in the flight number and then you press the buttons for the flight number and then it would say okay flight number or whatever whatever is scheduled to land at this hour stuff like that so apparently he just wanted to get out of the in-laws house you know he said okay the plane's coming in at five i'm going to be there at five <laughs> there's no way it's not going to you know that type of thing and then uh her next question is are the kids okay and then he says they'll lose their minds from all the sugar your parents are, your parents give them. And then her response is she ignores that and just says, "Did mom give you a hard time about borrowing her new car?" And he goes, "No, not yet." And yeah. I mean, this this is a great line because we're privy to something that she's not. I mean, we know that that he doesn't have the car anymore. <laughs> and for him to say, oh, "No, not yet," she's not upset. She was she was happy at the time, but uh, you know. And as we're talking, you know, the, the, we get a wider shot 
that shows you know the the woman sitting next to her. The whole thing is just really strange. Like I said, that he didn't look at some sort of screen to find out what's going on with her plane, and then he needs to find out from her that the plane is going to be uh, you know going to be delayed. Nowadays that wouldn't I happen it, because you can't really I talk on the plane. <laughs> He was thrown by having a phone call from her. Yeah. Because in, in his mind, if you're on a plane, you can't make a phone call. Therefore, she must have landed. Right. So he, he's still kind of reeling from that right. revelation. Wait, you're on the phone? I'm on a plane? Right. What? I'm trying to figure out, by thinking about this whole movie, where what are they trying to say about the fact that he doesn't like uh, technology? Like, it's not something that is used later on that that because uh, he doesn't use technology you know something happens properly or something you know he's done an advantage uh, because of that what advantage is he in yeah because well he uh, has to go to marvin to look at the blueprints marvin. and wh- how would he have done that if he'd been you know what he would take a, a laptop and start checking the blueprints i mean you know that wouldn't have happened either no that's 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 what I'm trying to think of is is things that he has other people do for him. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, but they, they, I mean, he's not in this chapter, but the actor who plays Marvin, Tom Bauer, right. is in a great film this year. We have a ghost. He's a, yes, he's sort of I saw that. I really like that. I, I was watching the film like, well, I recognize that guy. It's Marvin. That's right. I, I was shocked that he's still alive. Yeah, same. Yeah. I, I was like, wait. Because, because he's, he looks really old in this movie. Like, <laughs> That's a, I have the exact same thought watching it because like he was because in this film he's like fifty one, uh, but he appears to be uh, older than because he talks about Iwo Jima. <laughs> yeah, you, and this is eighty nine. Okay, so Iwo Jima happened born in forty five. The axe was born in thirty eight, so I don't think he was an Iwo Jima. Yeah, I don't think he so. Was seven. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's playing old. But he's always played old, it looks like it seems. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's just very, very strange because, because again, you would think that there would be some sort of payoff later on about the fact that John doesn't like technology. Well, it could just be character detail. I mean, like we, we're we're told at the start of Jurassic Park that Alan Grant doesn't like technology, doesn't get on with computers, but that doesn't really pay off later, other than to have uh, Lex do the hacking. It's not like Alan Grant's going to do it, and and he he can't because it's computers. She just does it instead. Right. So I, I feel like it's just a way of getting us on side with the character a little bit. Like, oh, they're, they're, they're not some kind of superpowered hero who can do anything. They have their weaknesses. They can't do technology. That's a, a, a relatable aspect to a lot of people watching Die Hard 2. Like, yeah, I hate computers too. Uh, maybe. Our jobs. It is, I mean, again, in 1990, it, most people did not have computers. Most people did not have cell phones. Most people could not afford to make phone calls on air phones. You know, they were very expensive at the time. Yeah. I mean, that again, we're going to get into that. There's there's a lot of airphones used in this movie, and there are a lot of mistakes made with airphones regarding their capabilities in our world. Apparently, in the world of John McClane, you know, things things make a little more sense with what you're allowed to and what you can't do. You know, the, the fact that, that even Rennie Harlan states that, you know, he knew at the time that you can't make a phone call to an airphone, but hey, you know, why don't we use it? Why don't we do that anyway? <laughs> yeah, it's a exactly. Movie. Hey, it's a, not only a movie. It's you know. <laughs> so, do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we uh, get into the uh, script? I do not. I just want to 
before I get out of here, I want to uh, take a moment to talk about the great Dennis Franz, also not in this scene. But Dennis Franz is a delight in Die Hard 2. I'm looking forward to hearing more about him. And if any of your listeners haven't seen the music video to the Dixie Chicks Goodbye Earl, they absolutely should do because it heavily features Dennis Franz in a role that you would not think Dennis Franz is in. Goodbye Earl. Earl. E A R L. <laughs> All right, I've never heard of that, so I'm gonna Goodbye, I'm gonna Earl. check that either. Okay. See, there you go. If you do the the Western draw, it uh, it works a little better for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the script. So as I was reading yesterday, it, it talks about them walking down the 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 corridor. It says they get into two adjoining elevators. The stark lights above their heads and their unmoving expressions making them look like aliens ready to beam up. As the door doors close, you know, it cuts away. And then it says, McLean squeezes past an enormous woman exiting a phone booth with a present as big as she is. Catching his breath, he drops his quarters and dials. So, um, I mean, the woman is a little big in this movie, you know, the, 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 the use here. I, I The thing I like here is the fact that, you know, you can correlate it to what we're going to see in the next movie in Die Hard uh, with a Vengeance, you know, when he needs to get on a phone. And there's a woman on the phone, and yeah. the woman is also a large woman. I'm I'm actually now very curious if it's the same large woman, you know, who, which would be really funny if they use the same actress in both of those. But I, I don't uh, know, because <laughs> I don't know if she's credited here, because she doesn't really have anything I doubt, to say. I, I I doubt that she is. I'm trying to find her myself, and I can't see anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything about woman on phone or something like that. I I don't think that that she is uh, is listed here. So we will never be able to know if it's the same person or not. Oh, well. <laughs> and then it continues by saying, you know, jump to the airliner. Holly McLean is here, airphone on her, at her ear, and a beautiful sunset over the plane's wing visible through the nearby window. With a compact portable computer, filofax, and calculator piled on it, Holly's seatback table looks like a traveling office. And then you have the same conversation between them about, you know, about, I'd like to think I'm somebody, did you land? And then she says, Holly, Holly says, John, wake up. It's the 90s. Microchips, microwaves, faxes, and earphones. And then he mentions the line about the frozen pizza again. And then she says that they're going to be late. And then she asks if the kids are okay. And then his response is, just speeding on sugar, thanks to your parents. I really appreciate you coming a day late, honey. Nothing I like better than a weekend with the Munsters. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that they cut that out doesn't really uh you know doesn't really fit in here and then she asks about the car and the answer is no not yet so that's that's all we have in the script so i i the the woman on phone in die hard with a vengeance is barbara hipkiss who was also the casting associate of die hard with a vengeance that is her only mm-hmm. credit so I, i'm looking at a picture of her compared to die hard 2 and i do not believe it's okay. the same lady that's fair but I like the correlation of the fact that, you know, he's waiting for a phone yeah. and there is a large woman blocking his, his way, I guess you can say. She is credited as phone woman. It's title of the vengeance. A right. new superhero. That's true. All right. So every Friday we have a new segment that I'm doing called Where Are They This Weekend? And I'm sure that Jay, just like everyone else, is, is curious to know what it is that, that we're going to be doing here. So this is something I sort of borrowed. I am indeed. This is something I, I sort of borrowed from from some other MXMers who've done things. And basically the, the idea is to quiz my guest as to how well they know some of their favorite movies. Oh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So since Jay has done two uh, 
you know, movies by minute uh, movies or movies by scene movies, let's say. Let's see if Jay knows where his movies are up to between the fifth and sixth minutes. Okay, so in Deep Blue Sea, what do you think is happening between minutes five and six? See, we didn't break it into minutes. (laughs) So this is... Okay. So so scene one is... Would you rather not um, do this as a quiz and that I just... No, no, no. This is absolutely absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. So Deep Blue Sea... Uh, scene one is is the boat being attacked by the, the shark. I think that was like three and a half minutes long. So scene two, we had Nick Rehack on for that one, was up in uh, up in the office where Susan is talking to Sam Jackson and the silent Ronnie Cox. Uh, so towards the end of that scene, they get on a plane. So I think. Uh, between like minute five of Deep Blue Sea is going to be around about when she's talking about having to tell her dad uh, about her mum died every every day. <laughs> so it's one of the saddest moments in Deep Blue Sea. It's like, you ever tried to tell your dad? See that look on his face? So it's going to be like around then or around when she and Sam Jackson are, are on the plane flying to her. Uh, okay, Jay, Jay first of all, great. It's basically the, 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 the scene where she's trying to convince uh, Russell Franklin to give her another 48 hours in order to yep. to prove that their the outside was research that their research actually works exactly you know and she does use the the argument you know about looking watching someone uh, deteriorate from Alzheimer's so give me another 48 hours and that's it so yes very good Jay I'm impressed okay. I'm impressed that's now Connie, what happens between the fifth okay. and sixth minutes again I, I'm looking at the cusp. You know, between week week one and week two. Okay, so Conair' first scene is uh, him being honorably discharged from the Rangers, coming home uh, to see Trisha Poe. Uh, and the second scene is the fight in the rain. So I think it's going to be, and then and then he has the court case. So it's a very quick fight, and then he's into the courtroom. It's Sean Homer going for that one. So I think that's going to be when he's in, he's talking to his lawyer. He's talking to one of the, the goons from Jurassic Park 3, John something, is my guess for Connor. He's talking to his lawyer and he's in court. Okay, and once again, you, you, are, you are correct. It's the, it's the end of the fight. And it's the beginning of the point where his, his lawyer tells him you should plead guilty because they'll go easier that's on you. Very good. Great, Jay. That, that's great. See? I think I had, this is going to be, this would have been much more difficult to do later minutes in the film because they all would kind of merge together. <laughs> I'd like, I just got to work out, okay, so this is the start. I was just up to the start about this. So, That's right. All right, like, fine. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how all of the rest of the guests uh, fare. You know, even the ones who, who aren't going to, who aren't, who don't do movies by minutes. So I've, I've asked each of them to send me a list of their top five movies, their top five favorite I'm, I'm movies. Grateful. Neither of the my films have uh, a minute 124, so I'm not going to have to do that if I come on towards the end of it. That's right. That's a good point. So I'll find another minute to get you on that one, Jay. And I would have had, I would have been stuck trying to do DBC two and three. I'm not sure what happens in those minutes for those ones. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't check those. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I have to yeah, limit it somewhat. I can't, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when if if I were to ever get if Alex were to return, I wouldn't, you know, try and quiz him on all. Uh, you know, ten seasons that they've done. Yeah, you just pick, pick one, I guess, or pick yeah. a couple. Oh well, 
All right, Jay, do you want to, for one final time, tell people where they can find uh, Jay Cluett? Yes, of course. So, uh, as I've mentioned over the course of the week, uh, Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, Conair, the podcast, and The Lambcast, doing Lampity movie trivia, uh, are the three podcasts I host. LifeVSFilm.com is my personal site. You can find me on Twitter at LifeVSFilm, Deep Blue Sea Pod, Conair Pod, and I, my personal Instagram is J-A-Y-C-L-U-I-T-T, which is mainly pictures of my dogs. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for, thank you for that jake and thank you for joining us this week it's uh it, it's always a pleasure having you on the first first week of these these shows i hope you're not getting tired of it and i hope that you will continue to to agree to to partake you know even though sometimes right. you're making anything <laughs> <laughs> i i'm happy to be here happy to to kick off another film always always happy to do that rob all right eventually I, you'll pick a film i don't want to talk about which I will still come on and talk about, but then just won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't reached that point yet, so I'm still I'm still doing not yet, well. Not yet. So there you go. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, moveaboundminute.com. So everyone, I will be back on on uh, Monday with with a new guest. Uh, this time it's another MXMer, someone who's never been on before. So my show. So we'll, we'll, hopefully that will fare well. Actually, week three is also another MXMer who's never been on our show. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how those go. So until Monday, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and